Welcome back. This is Two Kids, One Doctorate with your host, Dr. Zoila Quesada. And I am so excited to be back recording. As you know, having two little kids has uh, proven, continues to prove a challenge for all things, especially when I'm looking for a silent space at the house. I It is now 7.59 a.m. on a Sunday, and I am very surprised that they are not up yet. And so I took this opportunity to record this very important episode. And this one is about how I began my doctoral journey. I always knew I wanted to get a, a doctorate. I just didn't know if it was a PhD or an EDD and then what field I wanted to get it in. At the end, um, after a few years of thinking about it, I decided to stay within the field that I was in. I had already been in the field of higher ed at least nine years um, postgraduate school. And I decided this is what I'm going to do. This is what I will continue to do. And so why not enhance and continue my education, getting this doctorate in educational leadership in higher ed, and then began the, the opportunity to find schools. And I was on the fence on whether I wanted to do online courses or in-person classes. Uh, I decided then to do in-person classes because I knew that I was going to feel uh, I was going to be held more accountable for my work and more accountable for um, creating relationships with the cohort and also that I was not going to be going through the experience alone. I enrolled in the only program in Rhode Island, an educational leadership program, EDD, Doctor of Education, and it was a it was the best choice I could have made. Um, I was in a challenging place in my life. And so I had a really hard transition into the program. And I will definitely talk about that probably in episode two or three of this doctoral series. I am now a full doctorate. I finished and defended my dissertation in August of 2019. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the beginning stages of how I got to where I am now. I decided I was going to change the trajectory of my life and I decided that I was going to get married first and have children first and then um, think about a doctoral program. Little did I know that it was so difficult to balance motherhood and a doctoral program. Thankfully and Thankful for the support of my cohort mates and the motivation and inspiration of my advisor and the faculty members of the program, I was able to make it happen, but it was a really, really difficult journey. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that now. I didn't believe or feel that I could prioritize my needs and wants for this degree. And so it wasn't until after I separated from my kid's father that I decided this is what I'm going to do now because I always wanted to do this. And so now it's the time. Uh, My children were small. My oldest was three years old. My youngest was not one year old yet. I remember going into interviews and I, my mom was the one um, that had my children. I'd either do an interview right after work or I go to an all day orientation or open house for graduate programs during that time but I knew that I was going to do it then that I couldn't wait anymore because if I kept waiting 
life was just going to get more and more difficult as life went on, as my children got older, as things maybe got more complicated with work and jobs. Just like with having children, I knew that it was important for me to have my mother around or a family member, someone that was going to support my journey and that was going to be there when I needed um, either backup with the children, uh, support in times when I needed to go to the library or work and study 24-7. When I began thinking about doctoral programs, I knew I needed my mother to also be around, committed, and available. And so that's a conversation I had to have with her, with, which was, you know, now I'm a single parent. I cannot rely on the kid's dad to be able to um, support this journey. So I will need um, some support from you. And, you know, that was a conversation I had to have with her. When in the middle of her having big dreams for herself and even um, a move that she was thinking of making, and I had asked, you know, can you for the next three years, which is how long the program is, can I rely on you? And so thankful to her that she was able to do that for me because honestly, without her support in all of this, I would not have been able to do it because there were long nights, early mornings. There were pickups from schools and drop-offs to schools. There were long days at the library. As I said before, this was every other week. And so it was Friday nights and then all of Saturday. Um, there was no way I was going to be able to wake up every morning and, and, and do this and take off a whole Saturday and go to class if I didn't have that support. Um, so I'm very, very grateful and so thankful. Also very grateful and so thankful for the folks who who helped also to babysit my kids. And that's from, you know, medical students that knew I needed the help that came through, thankfully. And I was able to, on the weekends when my mother couldn't take care of the kiddos, I was able to rely on support systems outside of family. And for that, I'm forever grateful. When I began my doctoral program, I was in a very fragile state. I didn't know that then, but after reflecting after a few years, I realized that I was not okay. I had just separated from my ex-husband. I had just entered the world of single motherhood. I was dealing with um, not telling the kid's dad that I was in a program. I didn't know that, you know, what, what consequences that could mean for me and the kids if that was something I shared. And so I didn't. And to this day, I'm not even sure that he knows um, if I'm, I went through the program and I'm a doctor, which shouldn't mean anything to me but I just thought that that was something that I should share with you because that did make the journey a lot more harder and more difficult because I couldn't say hey dude you need to come get these kids because I gotta go to school I I was doing everything on my own again with the help of others and that of my mom so emotionally I wasn't okay again I not something that I was aware of not not something that I I was um open to even finding out about I just knew that I had to keep going that I had to continue to be the best mom I could that I had to continue going to work and showing up that I had to now start this program and continue with it I realized I was angry most of the time I was mad because I would fall behind on assignments I was upset because I felt as one of two people of color in the cohort a lot of those conversations and classes about race and the injustices um, were difficult to have with a group of folks that 
we're leaders in higher ed, but we never get to the point of really understanding the struggles and the challenges that us folks of color have in the educational system. And so all those things compiled um, just made me like a very angry student. I remember one day, I'm not sure what happened that day, but I was mad. And the faculty member had asked me a question to which I answered. um, And I didn't feel good about it afterwards, but I remember doing it because I was behind. I had not read um, for school that day. And of course, I was angry that he had called on me, um, but he didn't know that I, I was not prepared that day for class. In my mind, it wasn't so long ago that I had finished my master's. But even getting into the groove of the the pattern and the intensity of a doctoral program was really difficult, especially um, as I was juggling so many plates and so many things. Kind of wish I had like a, one of those bridge programs, you know, that we provide for uh, undergraduate students. I we I needed one of those. I mean, I can't couldn't tell you how how challenging it was to read a research paper, write, um, engage with a cohort of people. I have to tell you too that I had been used to for many years to work alone or work majority of the time alone at my 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 day job. And so it was hard to then work in groups, um, you know, especially when they did breakout room, breakout groups, and I'm just over here rolling my eyes like, oh my God, how long do we have to talk about this? etc. And that was also linked to my perception of time. I always knew there was something else to do. And so I felt like I couldn't waste a minute. I couldn't waste time. I remember the many times that I had to ask for extensions because I could not complete a five-page paper sometimes. It was not easy. It was a lot. Um, and, and so when I talk with people and I joke and I say to people, I would not um, be one of those people that sit on a panel and try to convince people to get a doctorate. Um, no, people have to come already wanting to get a doctorate. And if they need it to progress in their careers, definitely. I was working then at an institution and perhaps even at a type of school. It was a professional school, it was a medical school. And so the deans were all MDs. And although I knew that I could do the job of a director or an assistant dean, it was going to be very difficult to get a higher position than an assistant director without um, that degree. And so I, and and in general, as an institution, even the undergraduate campus, um, when you looked at the deanship um, and the deans and the and the assistant vice presidents and the vice presidents, most of them had doctorates. It could have been because it was an Ivy League school and they had to stand sort of by, by that, you know, that culture of needing the best and the most of education in order to prove your worth. And so I knew that I needed to. I also knew in general in higher ed, um, if you want to get higher up the ladder, you do need to uh, share uh, show that by getting more degrees. And so I knew I needed to if I was going to stay in this field. And that's what I did. I wouldn't recommend a PhD or ADD unless it is for sure something that's going to help you in your career. Because I am a believer that you can learn and you can do research without having to be in a doctoral program. Although obviously I would still do it 
if I didn't have it right now and was thinking about it, I'm that type of person that if I know I'm going to do, I want to do it. And if I've said I want to do it, it's because I've already decided that I'm going to do it. Later in my program, though, I left that job, that university, and I started working at a small private institution, which has a totally different culture. People are deans, AVPs, NVPs, and don't hold doctoral degrees, which I am all for, because if your work shows that you can't hold those positions, please, the more that I see that, the better, and I'm hoping that other institutions are like this one and are allowing and providing those opportunities for people without the challenge of needing to get a doctoral degree. As a personal preference, I knew that I needed to, in case I wanted to one day apply to being a vice president or a president, those are the end goals. I am an overachiever. There are no secrets about that. I I always have been the person that has wanted to do the most and do the most the best. I I understand that some people are like, that's not overachieving. That's just doing the minimum, right? And for me has always been, okay, I've always taken so seriously the ways in which my grandmother, my mom sacrificed their lives to come to a new country looking for uh, opportunities for themselves and for their kids. And I take that so seriously in terms of, okay, I need to take advantage of all of the opportunities and high on my list is breaking barriers. I knew that there weren't a lot of Latinas who held um, doctoral degrees. And I always thought it might seem impossible, but it is possible because there are some of us who are getting those degrees. And so why not try it? And so I knew that I needed to do again, the most, um, and get this degree, um, not understanding though how challenging it was while managing everything else, especially with, uh, without a partner's support in the house, which I think can make a difference. I know I have been part of um, Facebook groups in which some people are like, you know, well, my partner is not supporting or it's not taking care of the kids or it's not leaving the house with the children or I can't go to the library because the kids only need me and want me. And so I didn't have it any of that to deal with, but I did have an absent person that I could have, perhaps, maybe, have helped me. It was a lot to keep up with old job, school, and parenting. I was stretched to a limit that I didn't know was even possible. As I said, my youngest was not one yet when I decided to take this on. I was still breastfeeding. I remember asking one of the administrators of the program for a room where I could pump um, on during class breaks. So that was awkward (laughs) because then I had to go on during class breaks into this small room, which was close to the kitchen. Um, and, And as you can imagine, people would then come and get their lunch bags from the kitchen area. And um, at that point, I don't think I had yet um, shared with folks that I had kids and that I was a single mom and that I was still breastfeeding. And so it was always those awkward like meetups at the door when I was either entering or exiting. But yeah, those experiences were so 
uh, hard as well, but also so much to learn from those as you're you're juggling everything. And on top of that, you have to remember you also have to to pump between breaks. And then there were those days in which your kids were sick and you had to be in school. I remember the very first night um, I took a call from my mom and it was that she was in the emergency room with my oldest kid who had croup. And I remember my soul was sort of like crushed. I thought to myself, my gosh, this is just going to, this is going to be an experience. This is going to be something that is bigger than anything I had imagined. And I remember stepping out of class and saying, I'm so sorry, I have to go. My mom is in the emergency room with my child. And for the first time in that cohort uh, space, I share that I was a mom and actually I'm on my way to the hospital. Um, and see ya tomorrow, maybe. Uh, so yeah, that was challenging. I, I have to also say that I was the only person in the program with small children and the only woman in the program with children there were three women and four men um there were three men who had children but older one of them who had not had children and then amongst the three women i was the only woman with children and then young children so if you can also think about not being able to connect with folks on things outside of class that was challenging I was the only mom, I was the only woman of color, and I was, on top of being a mom, the only single mom. And so I think that there was nothing that I was able to sort of talk to other folks about. Although I'm really sure that they would have been absolutely open to hearing me talk about my kids and hearing me talk about the difficulties of finding childcare for these weekend classes. I have no doubt that there is so much kindness in the cohort of folks that I went through this program with that they would have definitely supported me and loved all of me. I was in a space, though, in which a mental space in which I didn't think that was going to be the case because people didn't have anything that they could connect with me on besides being part of this cohort. Um, And that is something that I will never know because I never let anyone in to my world outside of what we needed to do. I do have to say that there were many of them who were very supportive, even not knowing what was going on and did ask, you know, if I was doing okay, what was going on. And I also know that I was angry during that time in my life. I was angry about the injustices of the world that we were dealing with. I was angry at where I was in life, uh, separated person with two children. I was probably upset that I had not started my doctoral journey a little earlier before kids. I was upset that I had to split my life in so many parts and none of that they were aware of, but I think I did bring a lot of that with me into the program and into the classes and the cohorts and into the relationships that I built or did not build with um, cohort members. Although I appreciate and like being in settings with other people, At some points during the time, those early times in the program, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I could have just done an online program. I don't want to deal with people. (laughs) When you deal with people at work and then you have so many responsibilities at home, the last thing you want to do is also have to deal with folks in classroom settings. 
Um, but I do have to say that even throughout that first time or those first few months in which I was like, oh, no, I should have done an online program. It did serve me well to be in a cohort. I remember that for my dissertation uh, defense, one of my cohort mates who I absolutely love um, and I think so much still to this day came to my dissertation defense. Um, and I am so appreciative of that because none of the other six people did that. And so I think that that is something that I will forever be grateful for. I ended my program a little later than other folks. Um, everybody else in the program ended in or finished it according to the timeline of the program. I took a little bit longer because I had transitioned jobs in, in, in my third year of class. I had the death of my dad as well. And I had the divorce um, be finalized in the year 2018, which was the beginning of our last academic semester, uh, last academic year. I also had a very challenging um, event happen at my job. And so that required me to seek um, employment elsewhere. And so at that transition and then being, you know, a new employee to a new institution, continuing with the same things that I've already done doing at home and outside of home, all of that compiled, put me behind a little bit. I was thinking about taking a break because I, I thought, okay, if I'm going to be here a couple of months, might as well be here a couple of years. And if, if it wasn't for my advisor and a chair of the committee, I would not be speaking to you right now. I would not have a podcast titled Two Kids, One Doctorate because the doctorate would probably not be here right now with me. I would probably not have earned it because if I would have taken that break, trust me, that time of writing the dissertation, of being in the library, days which I had to actually call security, public safety to unlock the front door of the building because I needed to be in there to do work, all of that I would have definitely filled my time with something else. And so I'm just thankful for the motivation, the inspiration, the push. There were times when um, she'd email me and I knew she'd email me, but I would put it aside or say, okay, maybe she'll get tired of emailing me eventually. And then it was the text messages and the calls and just assuring me that this was possible. I think at the dissertation point, it was when I had... Um, most doubted my my abilities to finish it was when I had doubted that this was for me I had doubted that this was going to be possible I started asking myself why did I even why did I even begin and not even knowing then that it was it was not only the dissertation process which was really 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 difficult um, and full of many ups and downs it was in addition it was adding on all the other things that were going on in my life that were putting me in a place of doubt. And I am just so thankful for folks that stuck with with me and emailed or texted me. And I know even folks in my cohort who from time to time did text and ask, like, how is it going? We're in the library right now. Where are you? What are you doing? There was a time during that dissertation period, that writing period, in which I did avoid my cohort mates. I, If I knew they were in the building, I went up to the second floor instead or wasn't in the library. But it was because there were so many other things that I was dealing with at that moment that I was not addressing. 
that were then reflecting on my relationship with the people in the cohort. All that to say is that find yourself supportive people. Find yourself a circle of folks, whether that's family or friends. In my case, family, friends, and students I worked with that will support you through the process, that will like motivate you, cheer you on at your lowest points, and remember why you started. Remember why you wanted to be here. Remember what it is that you want to do once you have that degree. Remember the reasons why you started and create circles of support around you. Find the beauty in the process. Meet and talk with your cohort mates. Be friends with them. They will be the people that are going through the same process as, as you at that very same time. And they can become allies and advocates and they can help you through mo some of those very, very difficult transition points as well as those very difficult bumps while you're in the process. Don't forget to do that. And one last thing, do not compare yourself to other people in the path that they're on and how fast they're going or how much time they're taking. In my mind, my cohort was like going 300 miles an hour and I was like, still trying to figure out whether I was going to do qualitative or quantitative, right? Make sure you understand that everyone is on this path and everyone is going to be going at different times and different speeds. I say this to say, don't let other people's speed in the process deter you from the win. I think if you have made it as far as wanting to do it, you can definitely get it done. Get yourself the support that you need and get yourself the strength within to get it done. I promise it's possible. And go out there and get all the wins. Take care. And thank you for listening to Two Kids, One Doctorate by your host, Dr. Soyla Quesada. <laughs>